to head down to um, head down, head back to uh, Kid Zone. Please go ahead and do that. Wow, thank you. I didn't know I was going to have service today. Wow. I, I, it just took my speech away. That's incredible. Well, thank you for that. I still don't know where I am. <laughs> well, we're talking about following Jesus today, and so I so appreciated the songs that Melanie picked this morning. I want you to know Melanie and Ken and Cheyenne work very hard at picking songs. And so watch for these themes. Watch, you know, we started with, for God so loved. Watch for that theme as we go this morning. Then we sang, I will follow. Watch for that theme as we go this morning. And we sang about God's mercies, which are new every morning. We sang about the sunrise. Watch for that theme this morning. As we talk about following Jesus and interact with, again, the resurrected Christ. Okay, so when we're talking about following Jesus, I want to talk to you about three questions that you could be thinking about today. So as you're thinking about how does this apply to me, how does this help me, where does this meet me, here are three questions for you that hopefully we'll interact with as we go through the passage, John chapter 21 this morning. The first one is this, who do you need to follow, or what do you need to follow Jesus past? So what do you need to follow Jesus past? For Peter, it was failure. He needed to follow Jesus past his failure. He had the option of staying in a puddle of regret. And you have that option of staying in a puddle of regret. Or you can follow Jesus past your failure. You can follow Jesus past whatever it is that you think disqualifies you, that you think makes you not able to serve, that you think would paralyze you. What do you need to follow Jesus past? Who do you need to follow Jesus toward? Okay, so Jesus will give Peter marching orders. He'll meet Peter and then he'll say, okay, Peter, back to work. Time to get back at it, Peter. Move towards my people, Peter. So, what do you need to follow Jesus past? Who do you need to follow Jesus toward? And finally, what do you need to follow Jesus through? As Jesus tells Peter how his future is going to go, and it's going to glorify God. What would you follow Jesus through? Those are the three questions that I have for you this morning as we work through this text in John chapter 20. Before we jump in, let me pray. Lord, we are your people. We are your sheep and your flock. And Lord, because that's true, shepherd us. And Lord, while I'm in front of them, stand in front of me. And while I'm talking to them, talk over me. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we are in John chapter 21. Verse 1. I'm going to attempt to read it without talking too much and then talk about it at the end. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. So I'm going to break the rule here just for a second. 
See how far I got? So the Sea of Tiberias is another name. It's like the Roman name for the Sea of Galilee. You can go there today. This is a picture of it taken from... Uh, anyway, I'm going to stop talking and keep, get back to reading. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two other disciples were... Okay, this next word is super important. They were, you know the next word? They were together. Okay, so we talked about what do you do when, you're, when you doubt a couple of weeks ago. And we said the best thing you can doubt, you can do when you doubt, is keep showing up. He said you need to keep showing up when you doubt. You need to come to church when you're full of doubt. You need to keep showing up. Same thing when you fail. Peter is there with them after he failed. Peter doesn't say, I need a long break from the disciples so I can put myself back together. He's like, I've got to keep showing up, even though I failed. Probably especially when I fail, I need to keep showing up. Okay, they're together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. I'm going to finally do something. Like, a lot of people look down on Peter for this. Like, I don't. Like, this has been long and confusing and frustrating, and I don't understand it. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go for a run. You might say, you know what I'm going to do? Like, if it was Cheyenne saying this, she'd say, I'm going to go out for coffee. If it was you saying this, you might say, I'm going to go shopping. Or you might say, I'm going to go out to the shop and make something or fix something. I, I don't know what you would say. But I, I don't blame Peter for this myself. I mean, it's been frustrating and difficult. And like, I'm going to do something I know. And Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, well, I guess we'll come too. You know, we'll go with you. But they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. I just want you to know, I did not go with them when they caught nothing. I have a long history of catching nothing when I go fishing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just not very good at it. But uh, just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Did you catch that? We sang morning, that, that song that we sang. Just as the day was breaking, it's dawn. Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus, just like Mary didn't know right away. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. Probably the point of this is so that John chapter 15, I think it's verse 5, comes home to them where Jesus teaches them, without me, you can do nothing, not even the stuff that you know how to do. That the disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore said to Peter, hey, it's Jesus. I can't believe it's Jesus. One of them is perceptive, the other one is bold and acts and so when simon peter heard that it was the lord he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea and the other disciples came in the boat dragging the net full of fish for they were not far from the land but about a hundred yards off and when they got out on land they saw a charcoal fire in place okay so charcoal the word charcoal appears three times in the bible 
once here, once another place in John, and once in Proverbs. The place in Proverbs has nothing to do with the ones in John. You know the other place that there's a charcoal fire in the book of John? I know you do. It's when Jesus has been arrested and they take him into custody and they bring him into the chief priest's house and then outside that house there is a fire and it happens to be a charcoal fire. And Peter is reminded of the times that he denied being one of the disciples three times. And Jesus could make any kind of fire he wanted to, but Jesus chose to make a charcoal fire. And John chose, instead of just writing fire, he chose to say charcoal fire. You know why? Because he's going to go there with us. He's going to go there with Peter. We're going to go there together. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place. And John 18, 18 is where you see the charcoal fire. With fish laid out on it and bread, notice that Jesus did not need their fish. He helped them catch fish, but he did not need them. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of keepers, 153 of them. Large fish. And although they were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Let's have a meal together. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. There's still this like air of tension. <laughs> like, I think this is him, but I don't want to say anything. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Jesus is going to ask that three times, and I want to just read it and have you interact with it. But I've got to stop and ask, who are the these? Do you love me more than these? Well, okay, so I've heard people argue convincingly these is the fish. Do you love me more than these fish, 153 keepers? And people say, no, that can't be it. Pastors like Peter, they're so godly, they never love money, like represented by fish, more than Jesus. Of course, you know that's not true. I mean, there are pastors that get confused about that. There are Christians that get confused about that. So it could be that Jesus is asking, me, asking Peter, do you love me more than these fish? There are other people that argue that when Jesus says, do you love me more than these, he's talking about the other disciples that are there. Do you love me more than them? Do you or don't you, Peter? Like, who do you love the most? There are other people that think it's a comparison. Where, like, do you love me more than they love me? They love me too. Do you love me more than they love me? And I think we can't know the answer because John doesn't tell us, but if I had to take a guess at it, 
I would say, based on what we know of Peter and the other interactions we've had between Jesus and Peter and the disciples, I would say he's asking Peter, Peter, do you still think you love me more than everyone else loves me? Are you still going to play the comparison game, Peter? And I think this because of John 13, when they're in the upper room and they're sharing the Last Supper, and Jesus says, where I'm going, you're not going to be able to go. And, you know, he's talking about, you know, you're all going to fall away. You know, none of you are going to make this. And Peter says, look, those other pansies, they might fall away, but not me. I'll go with you to the end. I, me, I. Not them. And I think Jesus is just kind of asking Peter, are you still playing the comparison game, Peter? Now watch how Peter answers. Because Jesus is asking, do you love me? Peter answers, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. I mean, this is the only thing he can say. He can't point to all his good works. He can't say like he said before, look, I've left everything to follow you. He doesn't point to anything he's done. All he can do is say, Lord, you know that I love you. That's all I have is what you know about me. I think it would be helpful if we read this together. So I'm going to say, ready, set, go. And when I say go, we're going to read, yes, Lord, you know that I love you together. Okay, ready? Ready, set, go. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says to Peter, then get back to work. Feed my lambs. Take care of my folk, Peter. No more escaping, no more hiding, no more wasting time doing things that are a waste of time. Back to work, Peter. No more being a puddle, Peter. And he said to him a second time, John wants us to count, so he's going to count for us. So Jesus says to Peter a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Now let's read that together. He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to Peter, Okay, Peter, back to work. Back towards the people, Peter. Peter, there are people wandering around that need your help. Peter, I called you to serve. Now let's go serve. Back to work, Peter. Tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, John wants us to count, and so he's counting for us. Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Let's read that together. And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Then serve the folk. Feed my sheep. Back to work.
Why does Jesus do this three times? To make a point, drive it home, restoration, yeah, I think all of that. And I think, I think there's a point of healing conversations where you need to hear yourself say something. Jesus knows everything. Jesus knows, but Peter isn't quite sure anymore. So Jesus has to help Peter say it. And so, I mean, you know, like, Peter denied Jesus three times. Peter heard himself say, not I, not me. Aren't you one of his followers? Not I. Not me. That's not me. Peter heard himself say that three times. And so Jesus is helping bring healing to him by helping Peter say, I love you three times. Say it out loud, Peter. You need to hear yourself say it. I know, Peter, but do you know? I'm going to help you move past this, Peter. But you're the main problem in you moving past it. So come on, Peter, say it out loud, and then we're going to send you back to work. The references up there where Peter denies Jesus the three times. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was going to glorify God. So a lot of people speculate that this is talking about Peter's future crucifixion, and when I read those arguments, I'm mostly convinced Other people say, no, no, it must be something else. When I read those arguments, I'm mostly convinced. Here's the point. Here's the point. Peter was the kind of guy that when he was afraid and angry and frustrated, he was the kind of guy that would deny his Lord. And he's going to become the kind of guy that when he was afraid and angry and frustrated, he will follow his Lord all the way to the death. And this will glorify God. That God will say, look at what I can do with a guy like this. And we'll do it. And we'll make Peter something into something that Peter is currently not. And after saying this, he said to him, the main point. That he's been saying to him all along. That he'd say to each of us, follow me. Hey, wherever you've been, whatever you've been through, whatever you've said, whatever's been said to you, however stuck you are, hear Jesus say these two words, follow me. Peter turned around and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. So just know at some point between 15 and 19, they go for a walk. Walking, in case I forget to say it later, is such an, in, such an incredibly relational thing. My dad uh, talks about how he and my mom have such different goals in walking. 
When my dad goes for a walk, it is to smell the flowers, to look at the trees, to ponder, you know, great thoughts, to just kind of enjoy life. When my mom goes for a walk, it is a race. And, you know, how quick can we get from point A to point B and how straight a line? And, like, can we take tangents on the corners and, like, that kind of stuff. And so for them to go for a walk together is an act of the will for both of them, you know? And, and it is an intensely relational thing. And, and so Jesus and Peter go for a walk together. And there's a reason walking together is a metaphor for the spiritual life, that we walk with the Lord. We align our wills with his and go at his pace and go the way he wants and we follow him. So at some point, Jesus and Peter go for a walk. We'll talk about that in a second. And Peter looks back uh, at the one following him and the one who had also leaned back against him during supper and said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? In other words, don't ask about him. We're talking about you right now. You follow me. So the saying spread among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. But that's missing the point. Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things. So it's John's job to continue to bear witness. Assuming this is John, it's his job to continue bearing witness about what Jesus had said all along. And it's also John's job to write these things down, who has written these things. And we know that his testimony is true. Well, who's the we? It's the apostolic community that was also with Jesus that made sure he kept his story straight. And we're like, yep, this is it. He's telling us the right story. It is true. We bear witness as well. Now, there are, many, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. We talked about why John picked the, the stuff he picked. Why he picked this stuff. He picked it according to John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, so that we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing, have life in his name. So, what should we do based on this chapter? I think you know, in two words, we should follow Jesus. Now, we ask, okay, what does that mean for us? How would we follow Jesus? Well, it's going to mean that we need to follow Jesus past our failures. This is what I meant for Peter. He had to follow Jesus past his failures. So I'd like to actually try this. So why don't you, why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes? Bow your heads and close your eyes. Okay, so Peter sees a fire on the beach and that reminds him of that night when he saw the fire and he smelled the charcoal and he heard the questioning accusations and he felt accusing eyes he felt anger at the people in power. 
he felt frustration with Jesus for not doing what he wanted Jesus to do. He felt fear. He felt desperation. He denied his Lord. And then he felt shame. So I'm going to ask you, as you have your eyes closed and your head bowed, and between you and the Lord, as you look back at stuff that you might be stuck in, failures that you might just live with and live with and live with in this doom loop, what do you see? If Peter saw a fire that led to his failure, what do you see? If it was at night for Peter, what time of day is it for you? If Peter smelled charcoal, what do you, what do you smell? If Peter heard questioning accusations, what do you hear? If Peter felt eyes and anger, and frustration, and fear, and shame. What do, you, what do you feel? Okay, now I want you to hear Jesus say your name. So say your name out loud. Nathan Smith. Now I want you to hear our Lord ask, do you love me? And I want you to hear yourself say this out loud. So say it out loud with me. I'll say it once, then you repeat it with me. Lord, you know that I love you. Okay, now you say it with me. Lord, you know that I love you. So as you see the fire, as you smell what you smell, as you feel what you feel, hear Jesus say your name. Hear him say your name. Hear him ask, do you love me? Now say it out loud with me. Lord, you know that I love you. Hear Jesus say your name for the third time. Hear him ask for the third time, do you love me? And answer out loud, Lord, you know that I love you. What is Jesus calling you past? He's calling you past your failures. Move past them in Jesus' name. Affirm your love for him and move past them. Here's why that's so important. It's so important because people need you to serve them. People need you. There is work to be done. You can open your eyes now if you want. But 
look, this is, this is the thing. When you follow Jesus past your failures, it is toward something. It is toward people. This is why Jesus says to Peter, not just move past that stuff, but move toward people. I'm calling you to people work, and we are all called to some form of people work, to serve in some way. There is someone that each of us can serve in some way. Now, Jesus says to Peter, tend my sheep, feed my flock. He says that again and again, three times, feed them, tend them, feed them. Okay, so how did Jesus do that? Well, in this passage, Jesus, what I see is him do a couple things. Number one, he goes to them. So important. Jesus goes to where they are. Do not expect people to come find you. You go to them. Go to them. He knew, where, he knew they'd be on the shores of Galilee fishing. He goes to them. Go to them. Then Jesus shares a fire. Can you do a fire in a hurry? I suppose you could, but it would be awful, wouldn't it? Like, that's not the purpose of a fire. A fire is to sit at the fire. Jesus has a fire ready. Come sit at the fire. What's the next thing Jesus does? He shares a meal with them. What's the next thing Jesus does? He takes Peter for a walk. What's the next thing Jesus does? He shares a real conversation with Peter. How do we tend people? How do we really help people? Well, I don't know. I don't know if you and I can improve on this very much. We go to them, we share a fire a meal, a walk, and a real conversation. Can you do better than that? What I, what I am like, though, I'm just going to be devastatingly vulnerable and honest with you when I say, when, I'm, when I read this, I'm like, oh, that looks like it would be a lot of time. It looks really hard. Yes, shepherding is time-consuming work. Look, this is slow work. This calls for unhurried work. This calls for, I'm going to push on you a little bit, unphoned work. How awesome would it be, you know, if you're sitting there at the campfire, sharing a meal, maybe you go for a walk, you're sitting there and you're, like this. What does that communicate? Not anything you wanted to communicate, I'll tell you that. Jesus is calling you toward them. He's calling you toward them. Will you serve them? Jesus is calling us past our failures toward them into glorious suffering. Because all people work is suffering work. And this is why we're so thankful for 
our medical workers. It's so, why we're th so thankful for our teachers. It's so, why we're so thankful for our police officers. It's why we're so thankful for um, everyone that, that serves and works with people. We're so thankful for them. And especially in the Christian community, when you go into someone's life, and you say, I am here in Jesus' name. I'm going to serve you in Jesus' name. That is hard work. It is costly work. It is going to cost you something to do that. For Jesus, this glorious suffering was dying on the cross for our sins. And this glorified God because he's saying, look at how much I love you. Look what your love costs me. This Peter's death will glorify God as God shows, like, look what I can make a guy like Peter. And when you and I suffer in Jesus' name, it glorifies God because it's revealing something of God's character to the world. So we started with three questions, and the first question was, what is Jesus calling you past? What is he calling you to follow him past? I just invite you past it. I mean, you can stay there. You can stay in the puddle. You can continue to tread water. Or you can swim to shore. Swimming to shore is better. I'd invite you to go past it. Follow Jesus past it. He's calling you past it. Who do you need to follow Jesus toward? Jesus calls each of us to people work, to serve someone in some way. Who is Jesus calling you toward? You know, you don't have to serve others. You can just be self-serving. But when you hear yourself say it, that doesn't sound great. You want to serve the Lord by serving others. Who do you need to follow Jesus toward? And finally, what do you need to follow Jesus through? What is he calling you to persevere through with his power and his joy and his strength? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you pull us each towards yourself that you give us the strength and joy and endurance we need to follow you and follow you well. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.